In the past year, Guest Services has had 130 volunteers who served more than 5,500 cups of coffee, helped families get checked into North Kids over 1,600 times, and opened the doors more times than can be counted, and in doing so, welcomed 578 first-time guests to North. Since fall of 2021, our life group leaders have met for countless parties, game nights, Bible studies, and all sorts of gatherings, resulting in 17 brand new life groups at North allowing 232 people to discover that life really is better in community. In the last year, our worship and production teams have led more than 120 services, streamed over 522 hours across all of our online platforms, resulting in 34,809 total viewers, so that even those who can't leave their homes can still experience the power of the body of Christ. This year, we sorted and handed out five tons of food donations made hundreds of sandwiches, shared God's story with victims of trafficking, just so that families could have food to eat and a safe place to sleep at night. Over the last year, pastoral care teams have completed over 800 counseling sessions, hosted over 65 various support group meetings, and ministered to approximately 1,700 people through Hope Ministers and Elders serving on the altar prayer team. This means countless changed lives, countless saved marriages and families, and countless people impacted by the love of Christ. This year in family ministry, we've played over 1,000 games, handed out nearly 10,000 snacks, and changed 1,560 diapers, and prayed 2,288 prayers over our students and kids. This means that on average, 241 kids of all ages experience the love of Christ every week. We don't say all of this to show you how big and great our teams are. We say all of this to show you how big and great our God is and how he can use something as small as a cup of coffee or changing a diaper to accomplish his work here and to leave a lasting impact. We're so excited for what God's gonna do this next year. So thank you for opening doors. Thank you for checking kids in every Sunday, for leading worship, running a camera, leading a life group. Thank you for being a part of our team. We could not do this without you. Isn't that awesome? That's great. I love this church. What a, what a, what a cool video. Uh, as you know, we're in our Join the Team series, or as you may know, we're in our Join the Team series. If you're first time here, welcome. My name's Brett. I'm one of the pastors here. And this is week three in our Join the Team series where Pastor Kirk and I have been talking about uh, the biblical call to serve, how God equips us to serve, um, and then we give you opportunity to do that. So today is no exception. In our atrium, immediately following the service, out these center doors on either side of the worship center, you'll find um, our, our ministry representatives, some of the leaders you saw in that video, there to talk to you more about getting involved to join uh, our team. So I thought for this final message in the series that I would look at who I think is the, the greatest servant in Scripture and one of the most astonishing and humble acts of service that he did. So we're going to look at Jesus and we're gonna look in uh, the Gospel of John chapter 13 if you wanna turn there in your Bibles. Now, the setting of John chapter 13 is that it is in the upper room. It is uh, at what is also known as the Last Supper. And this is just days after the triumphal entry of Jesus coming into Jerusalem for the final time. And uh, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, he only is in public for a couple of days and he clears the temple once, of, uh, once more of uh, people that are changing money and selling sacrificial animals, but then he withdraws. And he's not really seen in the public eye anymore until, his, until his, uh, his trial and his crucifixion. But he spends those last few days 
just pouring into the lives of his, his disciples, his inner circle, because he wanted to ready them and he wanted to teach them about what was about to happen and prepare them for that. So this morning, I wanna look at one of the first things that he taught them when they pulled together and find four truths that I think apply to you and I when it comes to serving in the kingdom of God. But let's pray. Father, thank you again for uh, your presence here today. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for these amazing things that we just saw in the video that you've accomplished through these people, Lord. I, I just gotta believe, though, that, that you're not done yet. Uh, there's more that you wanna do um, in this community and around this world. So we open ourselves up this morning to your word. We ask that you would pour it into our hearts, that you would help us to see truth in it, that you would help us apply it to our lives. And, and Holy Spirit, do what I cannot do and, and speak to every human heart that is, that is listening, whether in this room or online, and, uh, and confirm your word as truth. Say things, Lord, that I can't say, that I don't say uh, to your people today, and then change us, make us more like you, we pray, Jesus. Amen. So John 13, again, it's the, it's the scene of the Last Supper. They're in the upper room. It's just before Passover. And, and just a couple days prior, like I mentioned a moment ago, Jesus was riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, fulfilling scripture. And the crowds had heard that Jesus um, was coming. And their intent was that they wanted to make Jesus king. And so the first truth that I wanna point out to us this morning is not something that Jesus did, it's what he didn't do. And the first point is this, there are more important things than being the king of Israel. There are more important things than being the king of Israel. You see, everyone expected Jesus to be the king. When he rode into Jerusalem, the scriptures tell us that people had lined the sides of the road, that they're waving palm branches. Some of them are taking off their outer cloaks and they're laying them on the, on the path or on the, on the road there so that the donkey that he's riding would walk upon their clothes or walk upon these, these palm branches and they're shouting out, Hosanna, which means, oh, save us. Now, all four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all record this scene, but listen to the words of the people if you can understand what their intention was for Jesus coming into Jerusalem. Matthew records in Matthew 21, 19, that they said, Hosanna to the son of David. Mark eleven ten. blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Luke 19, 38, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And just one chapter earlier than our text, John 12, 13, Blessed is the king of Israel. Everyone thought that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem in order to, to, to take his rightful place on the throne of, of his forefather, David, and the people were ecstatic about it. Now, the priests, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they were not thrilled about this. Jesus represented a, a real threat to their power structure and their religious authority because of the, the authority that he had in, in scriptures. But he had proven himself to the people through his miracles and through his teachings, and they all wanted him to be king. I, I mean, the, 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 the stage was set, the pump was primed. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that people were going down to the local Jewish print shop and printing inaugural banners of Jesus as king. Um, I think I read in one of the epistles that there was a guy in the crowd uh, that day selling red hats that said MIGA on top, make Israel great again. <laughs> I, that may not be scriptural, but I can imagine, I can imagine that that happened because all of the hopes and, and, and dreams of the nation of Israel were in Jesus coming into Jerusalem and, and, and becoming king. That's what they were all looking forward to. But he didn't do it. He didn't fulfill their hopes. He didn't fulfill their, their wishes. Why? Because there are more important things than being the king of Israel. You see, the, it was the people's plan to make Jesus king. 
See, he had proven himself in his teachings the way he had the authority of the word of God. He did, he did miracles, he did signs, he did wonders. Everyone knew that he was the Messiah or believed him to be the Messiah and wanted him to be the rightful king. But God had something completely different in mind. Jesus had something completely different in mind. So the truth is that when it comes to you and I serving in the kingdom of God, we have to keep this in mind is that there are more important things than simply being the king of Israel. What I mean by that is, when you think about your place to serve in the kingdom, we all must pause, we all must stop, we all must must seek God and ask him, Lord, what is your will for me? Not somebody else's will, but what's your will for me? Because your path and your place of service in the kingdom may not look like my path or, or your friend's path, and it may not be what other people even expect to you expect of you, but to serve in the kingdom of God means not doing our will, but it means doing his will. Not doing what somebody else has planned out for us or tells us that we should do, but it's doing his will. Amen? Oh, you're getting quiet on me. Y'all laughed at Miga, and now you're, you're, you know, you're, you're getting quiet on me. Amen? All right, don't be quiet on me. This is, this is church. We're, we're, we're allowed to talk to each other. So I remember when Stacy and I were, were still serving at a church in, in Michigan uh, years ago, and um, the church was kind of stagnant. The church really wasn't growing, and, and there were some issues going on there. There were some very um, well-intentioned people, leaders, if, if you will, kind of whispering in my ear, oh, Brett, if you guys just hang on here, you know, God's going to make you the next senior pastor of this church, and, you know, we've seen it, and we feel it in our spirit. God's going to make you. But he wasn't speaking that to me. You know, God had put somebody else there as the senior pastor, and, and my role as a, as a staff pastor was to support and honor what God had called them to do. So as we prayed about it and, 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 and said, God, we're open to whatever you want, but we want your will, God actually opened a door to come here. And what I lo- realized coming here is I really wasn't cut out to be a senior pastor, but I was cut out to be what the church here at North hired me to do, a discipleship director. I had a great time for years and years and years leading discipleship. Found out that I could actually do a pretty good job at leading missions, and I, I love leading missions here. And, and I found out that I'm an okay administrative pastor. I see a couple of our trustees here. Hopefully, they're nodding their heads as how I lead the business office here in the, in the church. But while I wasn't cut out for what the people there in Michigan were saying, hey, this is what we see for you, or this is what we want for you. We want you to rise to this role. God had something different in, plan, uh, in his plan for us, and we needed to yield ourselves to the will of God. And when we did, boy, I found that, that the work in here at North for Stacy and I, I think I can speak for her, that it's been the greatest joy of our professional life is to come and to lead the ministries that God has entrusted to us here and to be a part of this faith family. And I, I will tell you honestly, I would not trade jobs with Pastor Kirk for anything. I wouldn't. I, he, he's a wonderful senior pastor. I love him. He's one, of, he's one of my best friends, but I do not want his job. I, I, no, I, I don't mean that. I don't mean that to be funny towards him. I want my job. I want what God has, has planned for me in my life. That's one of the greatest joys I think we find in the kingdom is when we discover what God has called us to do and then do it. And listen, Jesus in this story is no exception. He heard what the crowds were shouting that day. All four gospels recorded. They expected him to be the king. They expected him to rise to the throne of his father, David. He even heard his disciples whispering these kind of things. He knew what was in their minds and in their hearts. And and, and listen, if everything is under Jesus' feet and all authority is his, then I have to believe that he could very easily have have led a successful coup, rallied the people to himself and and, and ousted the Roman rule and set up uh, the, the nation of Israel again. He could have done that. But God had far bigger plans for him than simply being the king of Israel. Had he listened to the crowds, had he 
fulfilled all their wishes of, of, of him coming and being king, then guess what? Mankind would have been lost. But he came and said his desire was to do his father's will. And again, that's, that's really a key for us this morning is that if we can find what God has called us and created us to do, then we will find joy and we will find fulfillment in knowing that we're being obedient to God. There's nothing that can replace that. You hear me? This is a place where you can say amen. There's nothing that can replace that. That's what we want for our lives. And listen, I'll be honest, sometimes it's trial and error. Okay, if you've walked this path of, of following Jesus, there's seasons for things and, and sometimes we get it wrong and, and we just pick up and move on. Listen, when that happens, that's growth. That's not failure. That's learning and growing of how to be an obedient servant to Jesus. If you sign up to change one of those 1,560 diapers and you throw up on a child in our nursery, find something else to do. <laughs> that, that would be me. I'm so glad I get to be the administrative pastor, Mark, that I don't have to do that. But that's, that's, that, that's growth, that's, that's trial and error, that's growing and learning what God has called, called you to do. So that's also why we offer North Life here. If you've not been through our North Life class and you're wondering, hey, what's my fit? How could, I, how could I serve in the kingdom or the community or this church, whatever it would be? Go to our North Life class and we'll help you discover your spiritual gifts, explore your passions, explore how God has wired you, who he's made you to be and find you a place to get into uh, service. So let's jump into the text, John chapter 13. Verse one, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist and after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel, that, the towel that was wrapped around him. Look at, look at that text if you have your Bibles open. It says that the hour had come. He knew the hour had come, the time had come that he was about to leave this world. So Jesus knows that his time is short, but he also knows that all things are under his power. That means the betrayal, he knows about it. The arrest, he knows about it. The, the torture and the mock trial that he's about to be put through the next day, he knows about it. The crucifixion and death, he knows about it. All things are under his power. The humiliation, the shame, everything that he's about to endure, and yet he doesn't run from it. As a matter of fact, he embraces it, and he gathers his disciples together, and he begins to teach them. He begins to show them what they should expect, how they can lead the, 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 the Christian church, the kingdom of God, forward once he's gone. As a matter of fact, in John's gospel, chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, is all about Jesus preparing his followers for when he's gone. That's his primary focus up to the point of, of his arrest and, and going to the cross. That's why at the end of verse one in the passage we just read, John 13, one, it says that he loved them until the end. His priority was his followers. What do they think? What do they know? What is the content of their character? Are they going to be able to lead this movement of following me, of, of following Jesus to, to every nation around the world, to every people, to, to every place, every generation? So if you believe yourself to be loved by Jesus, you believe yourself to be somebody who's following him and, and, and somebody who wants to do what he says that, that we should do, then, then we have to key in on John chapter 13 because the things that he begins to teach his disciples are the things that he wants us to learn too, amen? It's the things he wants us to do. And so here's the next truth about serving is you'll never lead if you don't 
first serve. You will never lead unless you don't first serve. In one gospel prior, the gospel of according to Luke, um, in chapter 22, it's describing this same scene, and Luke gives us another piece of information of what's going on there at the Last Supper. He actually says that a fight or an argument breaks out, and the disciples begin bickering about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Now, if, has anybody read all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John? This is not a, a holiness test. This is just, okay, good. All right, many of you. If you've read the four gospels, listen, this is like a recurring theme with the disciples, isn't it? They're always arguing about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. It just seems like as Jesus' fame and his notoriety is growing, that they're the ones getting the big head and they're the ones getting the ego here and thinking, oh yeah, then we should be talking about who's gonna be the greatest. I'm gonna be the greatest. So what does Jesus do to correct this bad line of thinking? He gets up from the table, takes off his outer cloak, wraps a towel around his waist, grabs a bucket of water, and he begins to wash their feet. Why? because the disciples had it backwards. They were never gonna be able to lead the Christian church forward if they didn't first and foremost see themselves as servants. I wanna pause here and just just address something that maybe you heard about this week, stuff that's going on uh, in the the Christian church, Big C uh, Christian church. There was a a very well-known, very successful, very well-respected Christian denomination that had a scandal break this, this, uh, this week. They had had an internal investigation that saw almost two decades of, of, of abuse and sin and then a, a coordinated effort to cover it up. And, and it wasn't our denomination, but it was our brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and I just wanna say, that first and foremost, our hearts are broken for people who have been abused, especially by clergy and church leaders. Like, it, 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 it grieves me. Maybe one of the greatest losses that I can imagine in the situation that was uncovered is people that had been abused or had witnessed the abuse would be pushed away from the church and be pushed away from relationship with Christ. That, that to me is probably the greatest loss because it's an eternal loss. Um, so we pray for healing for those, those victims. We pray for healing for those, those families. We even pray for justice. What I mean by that is, is that those who are really perpetrators to be brought to justice, those who are abusers and aggressors to be brought to justice, and people maybe in this report that were, that were uh, uh, innocent of this, for them to be exonerated and their good name to be, to be restored to them. But we want the justice of God we want families that were broken apart by this stuff to be, to be healed and brought back together. And we want both, both the abuser and the victim to come to a place of repentance and come to a place of healing that is only found in Jesus Christ. So I wanna say all that, but I wanna get to this point here is that it seems like the, 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 the bigger the, 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 the church and the bigger the names that are, that are in scandals like this, it, 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 it seems to grab more headlines, doesn't it? And, 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 these things have an ability, and rightfully so, I guess, to hurt the Christian church, especially in the eyes of unbelievers. It just becomes, that's one more reason I'm not going to, to follow uh, uh, God, or that's one more reason that this whole Jesus thing that, that is, is a farce. But can I tell you that the kingdom of God is not built upon celebrity pastors or celebrity churches or famous denominations. The kingdom of God is built on one place. It is built upon the person of Jesus Christ and him only. Amen. Now, now God often uses big churches and big denominations and, 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 and famous Christian leaders. We need them, we want them, we love them, that's fine. But, but the kingdom of God in our names, our recognition, is, it, it's not like the disciples thought of who among us is the greatest. That's not how the kingdom works. 
God is just as likely to use small churches and people that you've never heard of who faithfully week after week after week will serve in anonymity and change diapers and hold doors and serve coffee and do whatever. That's what makes the kingdom of God work. These are the, the, the modern heroes of the Christian faith. It's people, both clergy, but paid staff and, and laity volunteer staff coming together as what, what Christ died for and he calls the church. That's what makes the kingdom advance. And while the world might not know the names of all these people, not one act of their obedience and their faithfulness is missing from the sight of God. This church and the denomination that was in that story, all denominations, the Christian church universal needs godly men and women to step up and lead for the glory of God. Listen, the kingdom of God will advance when big churches and small churches, rural churches, urban churches, rich churches, poor churches, rich people, poor people, black people, brown people, white people, yellow people, red people, anybody else that God created in his image, when we will take God at his word and say, yes, Jesus, I will follow you and I will serve as you serve. That's when the kingdom of God is going to grow in advance. It's not about names. It's not about notoriety. So in John 13, Jesus is talking to the first followers, the first church leaders, leaders, and we can't miss it and think that this only applied to them. This is what he's teaching us. This is what he's teaching his disciples in John 13. He's not speaking just to pastors or paid staff or, or super pastors or super leaders. He's speaking to all of us this morning and he's saying, follow my example. And what's his example? It's the one who is in the highest place of honor goes to the lowest place of service. There's Jesus, the one who called this meeting, the one who called this banquet together, sitting at the head of the table. And when all this bickering breaks out and all this fighting amongst the disciples of who's gonna be the greatest, he gets up, wraps a towel around his waist and begins to wash their feet. I've seen good, talented people be a part of this church and other faith families over the years that just sit on the sidelines and don't engage in serving in a, a church ministry or even in a community ministry to, to represent Christ. And, and I know I may step on some toes, but I'm gonna say this anyways. Some folks hold off on serving out of a sense of pride. Some people are waiting for the right opportunity to come along and be made available to them. Some people are, being waited, are, are waiting and, 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 and until they're asked to lead before they'll step in and, and, and serve. Some people are waiting for something that is going to match their, 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 their clout or their role in business. Some people are waiting until something is worthy of them that, that matches their level of education. Folks, if, if that's the case, can we just pause and look at Jesus as our example? The disciples sitting there arguing for no good reason about who's gonna be the greatest and the one that is the greatest in the room, the one, is, the one that deserves all honor and glory and everything is beneath his feet. He gets up and he begins to wash feet and he ends the arguing. He ends the bickering right there. And he says to the followers that night and he says to us, you will never lead unless you first serve. So don't let pride hold you back from engaging God's will for your life and being obedient to Jesus and finding the place to jump in because the kingdom needs godly leaders. And I'll say this for this church, North needs godly leaders, but it begins with godly service. We cannot lead others until we ourselves are willing to be a servant and serve others. Here's the third truth for us this morning, is that Jesus actually prepares us for service. Let's go back to the text, verse six. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? 
And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, big boy, you have no part. He didn't say big boy, that was me, but he said, listen to the, the force of Jesus' words though. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him and that was why he said that not everyone was clean. Put yourself there in the upper room for just a moment. Put yourself in this scene. What would you do if you were there? If Jesus brings the bucket before your feet and wants to wash your feet, I know what I'd do. I'd be like Peter, wouldn't you? Hey, this, this can't happen, Jesus. I, I know who you are. You're, you're not gonna wash my feet. See, Peter is so much like, I think, most of us when he says, you know, I, I, I get it, Jesus. Peter's this quandary. He's, he's, he's humble enough to say, hey, Lord, this can never happen. You're never gonna wash my feet. But then he's also bold enough to say, no, 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 you're, you're not gonna wash my feet. That, that can't happen. So it's this, it's this boldness and it's this humility all at the same time. And I think we still kind of feel that tension in the church today. As believers, when we read passages like this and, and hear preachers make points like this, we think, well, this kind of goes against what we spent the first 15 minutes of the service doing, right? We're singing songs to Jesus. He's the one that we're supposed to serve. He's the one that we're supposed to worship. All that's true, but listen to what Jesus said to Peter. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And here's the, here's the point I'm getting to. Before we can ever serve Jesus, we have to allow him to serve us. He can do for us what nobody else can do. The disciple showed us that, that not only can we disqualify ourselves out of pride and striving to be great, Peter shows us another side of what can disqualify us or hold us back, and that is guilt. Jesus offers to, to wash him. He comes before Peter and he says, I, I'm gonna wash your feet. And Peter says, no, this is, this is never gonna happen. Peter shows us that, that when he gets this offer from Jesus to, to wash his feet, that Peter thinks, okay, then there's gotta be more than this. So if this is a good thing, Jesus, for you to offer cleansing, then let me go over the top here. And what about my hands? And what about my head, Jesus? Wash those two. We think that, that, that we're different than Peter. We're not. We do the exact same thing. We live lives like, held back in guilt from our past, and we think, well, until I can really get past that or and, until I, you know, I really find healing for that, then, then I can't serve. Fooey. You can serve. It's, 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 listen, I never get tired uh, about telling the Christian church that Jesus is enough. Let me say it again. Jesus is enough. I love how he corrects Peter and he corrects our line of thinking in this, that, that, that the foot washing was symbolic but, and it was literal that night, but symbolic of what he was about to do on the cross. And we've got to let that sink into us too, that when Jesus washes us, it is enough. I don't care if you've been saved for five minutes or 50 years. If Jesus makes you clean, there's a place for you to serve in the kingdom of God. He is enough. We get wrapped up. It's, 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 it's human nature because we want to be in control, right? But we get wrapped up into, okay, I'll, I'll come to Christ and let him wash me, but then I've, I've got to have this extra experience or I've got to have this self-help book or I've got to go to this particular thing or Jesus, you know, one more cleansing or do. That's not how it works. Jesus is enough, which is why the scripture says, he whom the sun sets free is what? Is free indeed. 
that if you've been saved, then, then, then you've been cleansed, you've been commissioned, and you're ready to go serve somewhere in the kingdom. And I know that there's learning that has to take place and discipleship that has to take place before we can ever teach or before we can do certain jobs and certain roles in the kingdom. I get all that. But today, if, if you're a brand new Christian today, there is a place for you to serve in the kingdom of God. Let's jump back in the text and look at the, the, the last of the four truths here. We are called to do as Jesus has done. Verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes on and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so. That is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Do as I have done, Jesus said. Let's go back to that scene of the upper room. He, Jesus is the one who uniquely understands the discomfort that he has just created in the room. He, their Lord, their master, their rabbi, their teacher, begins to wash their feet. And he even says to them, you call me teacher, you call me rabbi, you call me Lord. That's the, that's the correct understanding. And if we today esteem Jesus as Lord, as Savior, as God, it's right for us to think that way, that, that he's above us. He's the one to be served. He's the second person of the Trinity. He's, he's, he's God Almighty. He said, so I being Lord, I being teacher, I being master, have washed your feet. Now you should wash one another's feet. So if we esteem Jesus as Lord, he tells us to what? To follow his example. The one who has all the authority, the one who has all the talent, all the honor, he moves to the lowest place of service and what the, the lowest household servant would do as he washes their feet. And you know what he's saying to us? He's saying, nothing is beneath you. He's saying, Brett, nothing that I would ever ask you to do is beneath you. You, you serve me as you serve others. That's, that's the message here that, that the disciples had to understand. There's nothing beneath them. There is nothing beneath us. We follow his example. And can I tell you that there is a blessing and there is an identification that comes to us as we're following Jesus when we choose to serve, that, that, that we identify him when we lower ourselves and we humble ourselves to go and serve someone that has no opportunity to serve us back in return. It's service unto him. There's an identification with being Christ-like and Christ-centered that comes through serving that we don't find in any other facet of the kingdom of God. There's people who understand that in this church. I just wanna highlight a few. I, I reached out to our leaders for some examples. This is not an exhaustive list. If you didn't make it, it's not the Hall of Fame. Don't worry about it. But here's a few. Sherry Olison. Sherry serves faithfully every week in elementary ministry. She's passionate about, wor uh, about worship and, and kids learning the word of God. Jade Ivy, any task you ask him to do and he'll handle it to completion without you having to think another thing about it. He teaches middle schoolers every day at Pine Mountain Middle School. God love his heart. <laughs> and yet he comes to camp with us and weekly leads a middle school guy's Bible study on Wednesday nights. Kelly Berg, Kelly serves as a missions board member, a prayer link coordinator, a prayer minister for prayer night. She's always dependable and has strong godly character that influences those around her. Cat Williams, She's a director at the Ronald McDonald Foundation, overseeing the housing system for families and children in the, in the hospital in Atlanta. And then she comes and serves on Sunday mornings in middle school as a life group leader and guest services leader. I love this line. No one ever asked her, but she made it her job to clean up the loft after every 1115 Sunday morning service. 
Ann Roberts. Ann is somewhat recently widowed. Ann takes time each week to handwrite greeting cards for those in our church family who are unable to attend due to illness or other challenges. What blesses me most about Ann is that she doesn't focus on her limitations and what she can't do in this season, but focuses instead on what she can do to bless others. Bob Fernie. Bob has served North for many years as an elder, as part of the Men of Acts team, as a leader in a new life group, and serves nearly every week as a leader on our guest services team. He gives his life to this church and serves others out of a passion for Christ. Tina Levette. Tina's heart for those in grief extends way beyond facilitating a group for the bereaved. She takes care and makes effort with her own resources to make each participant feel special and to help them grieve and honor the memory of their loved one in significant and meaningful ways. Folks, this is what makes ministry happen in this church and in this community. You wanna know why I love serving here? Is we have people who get it. We are a church that is filled with people who are willing to serve because Jesus served and because Jesus called them to serve. We have leaders here, I believe, who understand that people are not a tool or a commodity to manage. People are the mission, amen? We have a team here, I think, that wants to follow Jesus and his, his example to do as he has done. And people like this that I just mentioned uh, and, and scores, scores of other people are the heart and the soul of Mount Perrin North. And here's what I really believe in my heart. It's why God is adding to our number on a regular basis here. We look at our reports for, 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 for finances and for attendance and for salvations, and things are just growing here at North. I love it. But the reason why is that we've created an atmosphere where people are willing to jump in and say, I'll disciple, I'll teach, I'll lead, I'll serve, I'll do whatever it needs to be done. God, just keep sending people here who need to find you. Just keep people sending people here who need to deepen their relationship with you. It's why marriages are being restored. It's why addictions are being broken off of people's life. It's why bodies are being healed. It's why evangelists are going out here locally and missionaries are being sent to the other side of the world because people here at Mount Perry North have said, yes, Jesus, I will follow your example. I will do as, he, as you have done. And listen, if you're on this team, thank you. If you're not on this team yet, I wanna tell you this, that we need you. And the reason why is that God's not finished yet. Come on now. God is not finished yet. I don't have to jump off the stage, do I, to get your attention. I hope that he's not done here in Marietta, don't you? I hope that he's not done in Cobb and in Cherokee and this greater Atlanta area. I hope he's not done in the United States of America. I hope that he's not done. He's called us to go and to do as he has done. And whether it's serving inside these four walls in one of our ministries, or whether it's getting outside with our, with our missions teams or with, with our community partners like First Care Women's Clinic and, and Table on Delk and Must Ministries and City of Refuge, Lockheed Elementary, the YMCA, Wellspring Living, being, uh, being a mentor to a, a student at uh, Merida Sixth Grade Academy, and on and on and on the list goes, we need you on this team because God is not done yet. We, we, we've had a, a rough couple of weeks in the, in the country when it comes to violence and just, just pure evil rearing its head in, in places like schools and churches and grocery stores, places where people ought to be safe to, to go and worship or, or study or learn, buy groceries. Like, I don't wanna, I'm not a politician, I'm not gonna politicize anything, but can I just share with you my heart that there is a growing evil in our world Wickedness is on the rise. And the scripture told us, don't be surprised when you see this. Don't be surprised. But, it, but, it, but it's growing. 
and, 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 and it's becoming almost epidemic. It's becoming commonplace to turn on the TV and see tragedy happening around our country. And we can look at some of the root causes and we can see the breakdown in families. We can see that our culture loves to embrace violence and illicit sex in all of our media, our movies, our, our, our internet, uh, our music, everything. We can see all that stuff. But what's the solution? That's what the church should be asking. What is the solution? I get the opportunity to, to stand up here on a, on a typical week and I, and I read the word of God to you and I pray something from the word of God over us as a faith family and almost always, and this morning is no exception, I pray something like Jesus is the answer to, to the problems in our society. And everyone says amen because we believe it, right? Yes. Guess what? Jesus needs hands and feet and a face and a voice and he's called the church to be that. Yes. It's time for the church to, listen, Go ahead and give him praise if you want to give him praise, but you don't know what I'm going to say next. I love to pray. Hopefully you know that by what I get to do here. But it is not enough to pray. I hope you don't think that's sacrilegious. I, I spend time in prayer every day. I love to pray. I believe in the power of prayer. But it is not enough simply to pray. He has called us to be salt and light to get out and do it. Someone has to contend for the souls in this community and in this nation and in this world. We are in a fight against the powers and the principalities that, that the scriptures warned us about. Someone has to stand in the gap for children and students who live alone and students who think that they're on their own and that nobody cares about them. Somebody has to stand in the gap and say, I will preach the word, I will preach holiness, but then I will walk through tough discipleship relations to guide somebody by the hand from where Christ finds them to where he wants to take them. That's tough work, but he's called the church to do it, to be salt and light. Someone has to stand in the gap for marriages so that families can be held together. Somebody has to hold the addict by the hand and pray them through and then walk them out of addiction. God has called you and me to be the salt and the light, to be his hands and feet, his face and his voice, and he's called the church to serve. He said, do as I have done. It would be so much easier if Jesus had just said, hey, uh, guys, now that I've washed your feet, will you wash mine? But he didn't do that. If, if, if he was sitting up here on the stage and we had a basin of water and Jesus said, I'm looking for a volunteer from Mount Perinor to come and wash my feet. Everybody here that loves Jesus would be lined up in this altar, lined up down these aisles to wash his feet. Yes, Jesus, I'll wash your feet. But he didn't say something that easy. He said, you wash one another's feet. That's much harder, isn't it? Somebody that doesn't look like you somebody that may not yet believe like you, think like you, vote like you. That's who he's called us to go and serve. Folks, we're in a war. If you're not serving yet, man, we not just need you on this team for all that I believe God wants to do in this community, but we want you on this team. One of the greatest joys of your life will be serving those who can never repay you. Jesus said that's how we lay up treasures in heaven. And what a joy it is and what a joy I found to serve here at North. And I pray, I pray that you would do the same thing. Listen, I'm closing. I know I'm way past time and you all probably got plans to go to the lake and barbecue, but I got the mic and I'm fired up. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean that. I don't mean that to be disrespectful, but I want to say this. The first step is, is what we saw that happened to the disciples. He must wash us first. 
He's the one that prepares us first. So I wanna speak to people maybe that, that, that you're not following Jesus and maybe this is your first time in a Christian church and you think that that guy who keeps spitting is, is nuts and I probably am, but that doesn't negate the gospel is that Jesus died to save us and he didn't stay dead. He rose again, giving us new life so that we could walk in a brand new mindset, be renewed in our mind, a brand new heart to serve God, to do his will, to know what we were created for. Listen, if you're not following Jesus, the very first step is to just give your life to him. The scripture says in, in the book of Romans that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. It's that simple. God wants you in his family. And that's step one here this morning. So if, if the congregation would just bow your heads. I want to. I want to just want to ask the room here if that's you, if that describes you, that you say yes, Pastor Brett. I want to. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to know what I was created to do. I want to be set free from my sin. If that's you, I just want to pray for you this morning. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but would you just slip your hand so I can pray? Hand up in the air so I can pray for you, nice and high, so we can see it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for changed lives. Listen, those of you with your hands up in the air, you can put them down, but I want you to pray something like this. Jesus, I thank you that you died as a sacrifice for my sins. I believe that. I believe that what you suffered was to pay for my sin, and I thank you for it. I confess you now as Lord. I want you to be the Lord, the ruler, the leader of my life. God, I give my life to you. Help me to walk afresh and new. Help me to follow you like your first disciples did. Amen. Amen. God, thank you for changed lives. Now I want to pray for the church here this morning. God, I've, I've delivered your word that the, the best I know how. I believe the things that you pointed out to me this week. And Holy Spirit, I, it's been my prayer for days and weeks leading up to this that you would speak to hearts beyond what my words say. But God, I pray that now in this moment of decision that you would speak clearly to your people that you're calling to, to move, to take the next step, to get involved, whether it's here in a North Church ministry or it's in one of our community partners. God, speak, move. Call people, God, into ministry. Call people into missions. Call people into life group leadership and student ministry and, 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 and nursery ministry and pastoral care and counseling or to our community partners, God, to, to get involved in, in, in stopping sex trafficking and all these things, God, that you've given this church a burden to do. Help us to change this community, to be your hands and feet, your voice, your face to a world that's living in darkness. Move upon hearts, I pray today, oh God. And I pray, Lord, that, that we would look back at this moment and see a turning point in, the, in our lives and in the life of this church, Lord, where we got serious to say we're going to do something to save this community. We're going to do something to redeem this nation, to redeem this world for the glory of God. Add your blessing, God, to that prayer. Add your blessing to those decisions that are being made now in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you stand with me as we close? As I said at the beginning of the message, out these center doors of the worship center. Our teams are out there. If you're not serving, hear my heart. We want you to be a part of this team. Exactly who you are today with your, your talents, your abilities, your giftings, your faults and your failures, we want you on this team. So go out there and talk to our teams and, and, and find out how you can fit into serving here at Mount Perrin North. Let me bless you before we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, to be gracious unto you and grant you peace. In Jesus' name. Let's give our response. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength 
and my Redeemer. God bless you. I love you. Have a great day.